0: I was nervous. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm going to be doing real. I'm going to be doing good then because I just felt so much like energy at the start line of like, it was nervousness, it was excitement. It was, I just needed to get out a lot of energy I felt. And so I was like taking that as a good sign. Like, oh, I've got a lot to put down out here. I've got a lot of things to like figure out and do. And so that made me think I was going to do quite well.
1: Welcome to The Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatons In adventure racing lingo, a dark zone is a time when due to darkness or safety, teams are paused on the course before continuing with the race. During that time, stories are exchanged, friendships are kindled, spirits are restored, and teams have a chance to prepare for the next challenge. We hope that you make good use of this dark zone. We're glad that you're here. Today's guest is Chelsea Magnus, a longtime member of Team Yoga Slackers and Ben Racing. Chelsea walks us through her introduction to adventure racing, her own accomplishments as a solo mountain bike racer, and shares with us her training and preparation strategies. No stranger to personal struggle, Chelsea opens up about her family challenges around children, loss, and how she and her husband, Jason, meet what comes their way together. Thank you to Chelsea for joining us on The Dark Zone. Today's episode sponsor is, again, Tansy Navigation. You can learn all about them at www.tansynavigation.org. That's T-A-N-Z navigation.org. Listeners of The Dark Zone can enter to win a free copy of Mark LaTansy's book, Squiggly Lines, by emailing me, brian, at ardarkzone.com. Thank you again to Tansy. And again, thank you for joining The Dark Zone. Today's world doesn't lack for ways to grab your time and attention. We're grateful to have you as a listener. Thank you again to Chelsea for joining us and enjoy the show. Thank you for coming on the dark zone today. We'll talk about adventure racing world championships, but there's a lot more to what you do a lot more about who you are. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you coming on board today to the dark zone and sharing your time with us. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm super honored and excited to be here.
1: So before we, before we dive into adventure racing world championships, which were in Spain and you guys had an interesting, great experience. One of my favorite, um, callbacks to a previous episode was with Darren, that your goals went from trying to win it to trying not to kill Darren. For the for our listener, um, and very often the listeners to the dark zone are people who are new to adventure racing, learning about the sport, kind of building their base of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about who you are, your racing, your life experiences?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, well, my name is Chelsea Magnus. I'll <laughs> start from the, the simple. Um, and I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and I grew up in a family that, um, as soon as I got home from school, they sent me back outside. And, uh, so I was down in the woods at the end of the street till, you know, in the summertime, sometimes like midnight because it never gets dark, um, outside playing basketball till 2am in the street. Um, and then in the winter I was outside sledding, building snow caves, crossing. country skiing, snowboarding. Um, And so like, I was super outdoorsy from the get go, but more recreation, I dabbled in um, some team sports like soccer, and some individual sports like cross country skiing and cross country running, but I never really, um, the competitiveness never really hit me. It was more about community and being together with my friends and doing what they did um, and being outside. Um, And then when I got my driver's license, I started going out into the woods more or the mountains and hiking up these big mountains and setting missions with my, with a group of friends. Um, And so that I think kind of sculpted me and that I've I'm very fortunate in that I learned very early on. Um, my earliest memory is like, Oh, being outside in nature makes me happy. Um, and so that's kind of like the, what forms the foundation of everything that I do every day. I need to find some time to go outside, whether that's like even taking a a short walk if I don't have time to do a full workout. Um, so yeah, that's like the basis of me. And, um, long story short, I went on to many different colleges and went all around the West Coast, raft guiding and adventuring um, until I met Jason in um, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. He was a yoga instructor, was doing this yoga teacher training and I met him there and I was um, one of the students taking the teacher training. So it was kind of like politically not right to be together with your yoga instructor, teacher of the teacher training, um, but we had a very strong connection and and waited until the right time, and um, our fourth date essentially was an adventure race, and um, <laughs> I I
1: apologize for, for laughing yeah. at that point, yeah. but <laughs> listeners of the dark zone will chuckle because very often people <laughs> will talk about how. adventure racing kind of sneaks up on them, where all of a sudden they agree to do something. So walk us through that experience to to Uh Jason, your former yoga instructor, now your fourth date friend. We won't call him a boyfriend yet. Yeah. He says to you, let's do an adventure race. Break that down for us. Was it five days?
0: No, no, no. It was like (laughs) four, four out. Well, the funny thing was that um, we had to be back because it was over the week. It was like on a Saturday. And teacher training was a Saturday and Sunday all day long. Um, and so this was a half day for some reason of the teacher training. So we didn't have to start till maybe noon. Um, but the adventure race started at seven and last and like the cutoff was at two or something. So we were already going in being like, okay, we have to, we're not, we don't really care if we win or not, but we need to be back for teacher training because Jason had to teach and I had to be there and we did it with two other friends and one other woman who was in the teacher training with me and then Jason's best friend Sam and so we started the race and like on that start on that start line I was just like I had I, it was crazy. I just had like these big competitive waves come through me like, oh my gosh, I want to win. Like it had never occurred to me that I was competitive because I had done like mountain bike races and stuff like that when I was 1918. But I only did those races because um, I was underage. And at the end, it was in Crested Butte, Colorado. Every single participant would get beer and pizza. And I was 19. And so I was like,
1: well, hell yeah, I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And um, so, there, so there, I,
1: that's an interesting, there's many a teenage story about how teenagers try to acquire beer and pizza without anyone realizing.
0: You yeah, may be the first
1: was, person adventuring an adventure race for the purpose of having that happen.
0: Yeah, I was a dirt bag. I was cheap. So it was free pizza and free beer. So I was like, sweet. So that was like, you know, my only kind of um, experience experience with racing of the slight competitiveness but that was for food and beer um this was actually i wanted to win so anyways we did the race and it was we were using all of our gear and running through these thorny bushes getting cut up and it was just super fun um you know experiencing this with with jason and our friends and and we won and it was and we just got in the car and went to our yoga teacher training all cut up and bloody and just so tired. And I was like, wow, this is I really like this. This is what I want to do. Um
1: you were covered, so it, that- you were covered in in champagne and victory, right? You <laughs> you arrived there. And yeah. it's funny you said how, you know, because very often <laughs> you know what's fun, winning is fun. Yeah. And so right away, you won that race, the four-hour race, you, mm-hmm. yourself, your two teammates make it back to yoga training. Yeah. You arrive in a very non-yoga type fashion covered yeah. in brambles and bumps and bruises. Yeah. And that was yeah. it, huh? That was just yeah, adventure that was racing. It. That was it. And
0: that was, the, yeah, that was the start of my love of adventure racing and my love for, for Jason and yeah, the the rest kind of falls. I mean, we've had many bumps and challenges along the way, of course, as in relationship and in racing. Um, but we're still here, and we're still um, deep in it. So,
1: yeah, anybody who tells you that a long-term relationship takes place without any bumps in the road is is either lying to you or lying to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, along the way, you figure those things out. Have you found that your your adventure racing, the experience of being an adventure racer, and you know, there's the, the, the broad strokes, right? You, you have a challenge. It's it's laying in front of you. You have to figure it out. You have to change your strategy. You have to change your direction to get around that. Have you found that that adventure racing experience has informed your personal life, the way that you look at things, the way that you solve problems, or does it exist separate from who you are?
0: Oh, I mean, I think they're very, very much intertwined. Um, and they feed off of each other. They inform each other if that makes sense so like um if i'm having personal challenges um i bring in my experience from adventure racing and from learning you know being lost and finding our way or having a difficult interaction with my teammates um or feeling that uh, you know those feelings that come up um yeah, I definitely feel like it informs my personal life and our relationships. And um, then I also feel like my personal life informs adventure racing, uh, you know, being a parent. Um, I think I'm like, Oh, okay, I I get that. <laughs> like when my toddler's throwing a temper tantrum, and I'm like, Oh, okay, it was pro- maybe he's hungry, tired, you know, you just go to the basics, because I can, I know how i I am when I am just utterly exhausted and hungry and in that space. And so it makes me have more compassion for my children um, or other people I'm with that aren't on my team and we're out adventuring or in daily life going through what we're going through. Um, Yeah, I definitely glean off of my adventure racing experience and my personal life. (laughs)
1: Yeah. work with, uh, with children for a living. And I, I always like to say that adventure racers and kindergartners share one thing in common, that when they're going through a tantrum, give them a sandwich and a nap and yes. check back and things tend to get much better. And so yeah. I, I do agree with you. The other thing about having children is it really works on your on your sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. That if it was it was not for if not for staying awake all night, and taking care of a child, it makes it makes 3am during a race seem easy sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I always think about that. I'm like, oh, I'm not, you know, at humans, the best characteristics of a human is that our memory we only tend to remember the really amazing things and we just quickly let go of the difficult things that's like why after every race no matter how hard it is the next day i'm like okay when's the next one i'm already looking at it no matter how hard it was um and so that's with you know having a newborn i already forget how that was, but I know it was super hard, you know, caring for another human. Um, and I always try to remember that because when I'm out there in the middle of nowhere at 3 a.m. and I'm just utterly exhausted, I'm like, well, at least I'm out in nature and I am not tr- caring for a tiny human. Maybe I'm caring for myself and another bigger human, but
1: it's- <laughs> We who might be acting like a tiny human, by the way. Yeah. right. <laughs> What's that? They, they might be acting like a tiny human at the same yeah. time.
0: Yes. 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 I've definitely been that tiny human or I've been pulling that bigger than me human, but them acting like a tiny human. So,
1: (laughs) so so you had this. So, so there's your, your, your trajectories is is it's familiar. It's not familiar. You have this, this outdoor based childhood growing up in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, you, you used a really good word before. I thought when you talked about the kind of person you were, you, you described yourself as being sculpted that you, mm-hmm. you you were basically, you you were turned into this person over time. You weren't born this way, but because of the exposure you had growing up combined mm-hmm. with this 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 outside of nature idea, I'm sure you have some interesting thoughts about the idea of nature deficit disorder and the fact that kids just don't get outside enough nowadays. I, yes. Do, 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 do you see that? Now, I know that you're in Bend. I know that Bend is an outdoor kind of a city and that's, they live mm-hmm. uh, in nature out there. Have you seen that as a trend in working with young people in terms of seeing that the world is like, do you think? What could we be doing better in that regard to help? Because clearly the outside means a lot to you. It's it's informed who you are in a big way. Are you seeing that same trend out there by you with kids?
0: That they're connected to their tablets and to screens? Yes. Um, honestly, out here, you know, you've mentioned I'm in Bend, Oregon. And, um, yeah, I am in this small neighborhood that I'm in, this community that we've built. We're in a bubble. Um, and... We, Jason and I, and Dan are definitely parents that feed off of adventure, and we try to get our kids into it all the time. And so we have that rapport back and forth. Like Dan, you know, in your podcast, you said we live a hundred meters away. That's true. I I ran in my I ran this morning with them around the block. Um, and so you know, we, it's like a part of our our world. But what I do see um, is when I go out and travel, um, I see, yeah, I see that a lot. I see kids in being pushed in strollers with tablets in front of them. Um, and granted I'm traveling during these times, like, you know, when I recently I went to Spain and I know that it's, I know personally how hard it is to travel with young kids. And yes, sometimes you just have to put them in front of a screen and just breathe for a few minutes as 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 the parent but i just like yeah i just see it more and more um as i'm traveling when they're not when you could be having some fun with them on the airport floor with with cars and interacting with them and instead kids are just in their screens um and yeah it's it's really hard i i I grapple with where our society is going a lot. Um, I have a very hard time and, you know, I even get woken up in the middle of the night, honestly, like, oh my gosh, where are we headed? Where is our, um, this next generation headed? Um, Cause they're, they're smarter than me or, with tablets. Some kids, they know their way around it. And it's just like mind blowing of how they already know that at the age of my son four, like the same age as Max. And thankfully, Max doesn't know anything, how to operate it at all. Um, But I know he is, unfortunately, not the norm. And that blows my mind. And um, yeah, it, it makes me sad. I feel, you know, one of our One of our um, things in Bend Racing, one of our, it's not a nonprofit, but it's a, I guess, maybe a fund that we've started with every race that we do. Part of the entry fee is racers can opt in to give money towards this fund so that we can put it towards youth to um bring them to one of our races um or like help them help the parents and the kids get their kids to the races and like help them with their training or gear or something like that so we're doing what we can um right now but we're you know
1: it's it's it still sometimes like you're trying to hold back an avalanche yeah right and then and I and I asked that question Chelsea because I've had the chance to, to to read some of your writings and some of your thoughts about parenting and I and I always, I always like to ask about the idea of nexus when worlds collide, right? And so you're a very thoughtful, very caring, very loving mother who's okay. raising your children in, in a certain deliberate way, and then it's kind of meeting a societal push that kind of runs counter to what you and Jason are, are trying to put together there. And I always find that's very interesting when people who are thoughtful and who are very um, considerate have to kind of reconcile these things with themselves. And I think that your upbringing, your which sounds so idyllic was so good for you. Like you wouldn't be the person you are today without the adventure of the end of the block, come back when it's done. Like I was laughing, like I, I come from a generation two, I'm older than you, but my generation was, we'd leave the house at daybreak and we'd come back when the streetlights went on.
0: And in between
1: <laughs> yes. my family would have no idea what occurred. Yeah. <laughs> and, there was no, and there was no way to report back and things like that. So I think that's a really interesting perspective. And Ben racing is far more than just race directors and race presenters. There appears to be an ethic and there appears to be a philosophical approach behind what Ben racing is trying to do. Can you tell yeah. me a bit about that?
0: Yeah. I'm I'll take a stab at it for sure. Um, yeah. Ben racing comes from yoga slackers. If you've heard of yoga slackers. So Jason, uh, my Jason, Jason Magnus and Sam Solway started yoga slackers many, many years ago, maybe almost like 20 years ago now. And it teaches, people how to do yoga on the slackline. And when I met them, they had just designed the slackline and they were um, doing all sorts of things, climbing and adventuring, but also the basis was like yoga and slacklining. That's how they brought this, their, their unique lifestyle, their messaging into the world by teaching yoga on the slackline. And it was kind of this off the wall kind of niche thing. And we would go to yoga festivals and teach. And we were kind of like the the yogis, but kind of adventurous, different yogis, not the full on like, you know, Lululemon outfits and what you see, I don't know, in the movies. It was more like we were kind of like the dirtbag hippies, but, you know, bringing adventure to, to the yoga. And um, then when I came along, And, um, well, I was with that when, when we started really taking off, we took this bike tour through Colorado teaching yoga on the slack line, but we did it all through on bikes and, um, we taught whoever we could, and it was all found donation based and they gave us money and we gave it all to a nonprofit called beads of courage. So what I guess I'm trying to say is that like from we started with yoga slackers and then Sam wanted to stay with yoga slackers and Jason and I wanted to be more of the adventure part of it, but it didn't make sense to have it all together because it was just too big. And Jason and I ended up moving to bend kind of splitting off from Sam, but we're still connected to him, but we wanted to create something else. So we were in bend and we wanted to venture. So that's where bend racing came from, but it was still this like, it still had that. It still has that essence of bringing adventure to people, um, and having that community outreach. If that makes sense. So. It's- like yoga slackers had the community outreach with the yoga and the slack lining. And then bend racing has this outreach with using adventure racing as the tool. So like everything kind of revolves around that. Like we, um, do adventure race training camps. We do, we, we do these coffee courses from our house all winter long, um, where they come to our house, we give them a coffee and from our house, they go out into the the BLM land that Jason's created this course with Dan's app. And then they come back and we give them a beer and they're like, "Mm, like, how did it go? And it's, and we have a discussion about the map. And, you know, so it's, it's, we try to like have it be community based and having that sense of adventure. Um, I guess that's what we're all about. And like trying to bring this other way of living and perspective, because when we go out on adventure, we have, we get different perspectives. We breathe fresh air and we've, we realize like what is important to us and that we feel like makes us better humans. And we want to bring that to the community. Um, So I Your know point. that was kind of a Your long, point. long answer, but it, I needed, I wanted to bring up yoga slackers because I still feel a deep connection to yoga slackers because it was kind of how it all started, um, and we still bring the love and um, the community part from Yoga Slackers into Bend Racing. I guess that's why I started with that.
1: Well, a large part of the dark zone is about about origin stories, right? Mm-hmm. Where we all started, and and I love the fact, that I wrote it down here. You mm-hmm. started off as bike packing, slacklining yoga instructors that you traveled the world it's almost (laughs) like did you also solve crimes along the way because it sounds like a great (laughs) idea for a movie and a tv show and
0: we had five dollars for the five dollars a day for four of us um to eat
1: So so let's let's uh welcome welcome to the dark zone, a uh, a a slacklining bike packing podcast. What was a what was a dollar twenty five a day like? Life like in your world?
0: Um, butter and ramen and dumpster diving. So, j when Jason and I first met, we um he would dumpster he would like I would go to his house and he would have these flowers, a bunch of flowers all over, and chocolates, and um. He had dumpster dove at trade behind Trader Joe's for them. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, that's awesome. So he would just get all this awesome food. And, And then I started doing it with him. Cause I just thought it was like so crazy cool. So when we moved to Flagstaff, we, we did that. That's like how we, how we lived. Um, and we got all this awesome food, all these awesome organic veggies so much so that we had to buy a juicer and a blender. So we got really good at it. So when we went on this, what we called the yes tour, um, the yoga slackers tour, where we taught yoga and, um, slacklining and acrobatics along the way um, we would only keep $5 of the money for ourselves to, for food. And then we would put the rest to a nonprofit and yeah, we, we would go to the grocery store and we'd buy like maybe, uh, you know, pack of m ms or like pop tarts, you know, something like that, like quick energy food. And then we would go to the dumpster and get everything else. Um, we also met, along the, along the way. And this was, you know, of course, pre COVID times, times are very different now, but people would offer us food, you know, that's a, also a way of paying us as they saw, like how we were living and biking through the U S and they're like, Oh, can we give you food? Can we invite you into our homes? You know, there was just like an amazing hospitable environment for us. And so we actually, honestly, didn't always spend the five dollars because we people fed us along the way and brought us into our homes and cooked us great home cooked meals or we would go dumpster diving and get amazing food because we were really good at it
1: (laughs) there's a a book called and i'm gonna i'm gonna get the book title wrong i think it's called and the kindness of others or the kindness of strangers where a gentleman decided to walk from san francisco to new york without Mm -hmm. any money in his pocket yeah and he would he would he wasn't really hitchhiking but he and he wouldn't take any money. Mm-hmm. But when he came across people that he had just met and he explained to them what he was doing, he was amazed at how kind and gracious people were to him. Yeah, it sounds like that was your same experience when people saw so what you were doing, part of the yes tour, and the fact that you were living this itinerant kind of to your words, this dirtbag lifestyle, and mm-hmm. that people saw you for who you were and brought you into their, their collective lives.
0: Yeah. We have friends all over Colorado. We did a thousand and eight miles, um, in Colorado ending at the Telluride yoga festival, um, on our bikes, pack rafting, climbing, teaching yoga. And it was amazing. And people like came on our, pack rafting adventures on our climbing adventures and brought us food and yeah it was it was an amazing carefree existence
1: and that was a precursor obviously towards when when yoga slackers went in one direction ben racing went in another because you clearly until you carried that ethic from yoga slackers and, and i kind of talk about that a lot right because yeah. ben racing being what it is and the way you approach the world our previous experiences always dictate our future choices right and exactly having gone through that experience mm-hmm. It brought you into into Bend Racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we still teach acrobatics um, and um, a little bit of slacklining and we do some highlining. So we're definitely still in that world. But um, a couple of years ago, there was kind of a clear separation between Sam and his partner, Raquel, and Jason and I. They were wanted to do more of the festivals and we were kind of done with being in that atmosphere, we wanted to go more off on the adventure racing path and and also have a home and start building a family. And they wanted to be, they're still on the road. They live in their van and it's awesome. And they're traveling and still doing the thing. But we, it was like a thing that we just needed to go our different ways. Um, that it makes was, sense, like, right? That makes, that makes yeah.
1: complete sense because yeah. clearly groups of friends grow in different directions. And you yeah. and Jason had a vision of what you wanted for the future. And yeah. you could have had children inside that lifestyle. Yeah. it would be a lot more challenging to do it than having an actual physical home and having a physical job and things like that so it makes complete sense yeah. that you would just grow in different directions
0: yeah so the, yeah. so
1: then there's there's Ben Racing the organization and then there's mm-hmm. Chelsea the racer yeah. and sometimes those things kind of go they kind of travel in parallel they travel in different directions what has your personal path been like and how much of it is intermingled with Ben Racing versus you being your own racer separate from that talk talk us a bit through who you are as a racer
0: yeah. Um, it's very much, I find myself more towards, um, bend racing, team bend racing. Like I'm adventure racing is my main passion with athletics. Um, and team bend racing is my team. Um, I am very committed and loyal to my team. Um, cause it's, not always about winning to me, even though it may seem that way. I know my teammates talk about how I'm like the most competitive of everyone, but, um, it, it, if that really was it for me, then I would, you know, be on maybe a, many, many different teams. And that's just not me. I love the, the relationships that I have with my team and I love building that. And, um, but uh, so after the four hour you know, victory, I was like, okay, this is I want to explore this more. And Jason was really excited. So he introduced me to Dan. And um we did a couple smaller races. And then they took me to Costa Rica. And we did a three-day race and it was perfect because it was my first expedition race. It got canceled, but we still had tickets and the race director was like, look, if you guys still want to come down, come down and you can hire my nephew and he'll do all the transitions for you. And so we did that and it was like the perfect experience for me because there was no pressure and it was just me, Jason and Dan. And they taught me everything they knew about nutrition, about, you know, transitions and at this pace that was not so like pressure and competitive, Um, but I could really like focus on learning from them. And so that was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And we just traveled all the way across Costa Rica. And
1: it's like a a three day adventure racing camp.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was, it was awesome. And from there, we went on to do other races like Abu Dhabi and, um, you know, more world championships like Ecuador and Costa Rica and gold rush and 24 hour races. And, um, you know, it was also always the three of us were the kind of the nucleus. And then we always had a different fourth, like Dan talked about of, you know, that was always kind of a struggle for us. Um, but it was, yeah. So like my, I think my, my main center is in adventure racing. And then um, at some point um, it was, bef- I've always had my life in before kids or after kids, but this was like, always, you know, a couple always. of
1: years, yeah. always, always, <laughs> a, yeah.
0: yeah. A couple of years before Max um, and spirit came along and uh, I was in, I was living in Bend and I didn't want to do a couple races that Jason and Dan really wanted to do, like Florida, c to c, I was not interested, and another Wyoming race. And so I was like, Well, what can I do instead? And um, so I started mountain biking again, or just you know mountain bike racing, and I found out I was pretty good at it, and I started you know winning a couple local races, just cross country races, and then I got picked up by a team, and it was a team a local team and um uh it was a team of women which I liked and I was I was trying to get more women around me because my whole life I've been around men which I love. I'm 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 very compatible with men um but I wanted more women and so I started winning races I got on the pro circuit I went to nationals I got third I think in nationals the marathon nationals um USA nationals um but it was always kind of like Eh, whatever, you know, like I I love it, but I'm always going to go back to adventure racing. I do it to get better at adventure racing. Um, but then I, I won a 24 hour race Um, and out of the blue. And I was like, whoa, maybe that's cool too. Maybe that's my thing, but I kind of put it on the back burner and went back to adventure racing. And then I had um, Max Spirit and revel so i had you know my three boys and i got back into everything pretty fast venture racing and then mountain biking i kind of had more of a connection to because it was just me and as like a mom now with boys pulling at me my my sons pulling at me and then my team i just felt like i needed space i needed me time and so that's what mountain biking became for me and um particularly endurance mountain biking so i started uh, doing 100 mile mountain bike races again um and i just fell back in love with it cuz it was just like i i'm not that be- <laughs> i'm not that great of a navigator yet so i didn't have to navigate and i just needed all i needed to do was <laughs> pay attention to my nutrition and how fast I needed to go to do the best I could and that's it um, And then this last summer I did the uh, a 24 hour mountain bike race. Um, one of my girlfriends we were supposed to do this FKT of a big trail here in Oregon, but she couldn't and so I was like, okay, well, this 24 hour race is right here in Bend. I'll just do that. And um Jason trained me because he's an amazing coach and he was like, okay, let's do it. And he trained me up and I ended up winning. Um and <laughs> yeah. Right. And it ended up being the national championship. And so I won an entry into world championship. So I'm trying to go there. Uh, is that, because is that I- Italy? Yeah, it's Italy. Okay. Yeah. So I think like because I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe this is something because it wasn't I mean, it was hard, but it. I was like in my element. I was just on fire. I was like, man, this is so fun. And I don't want to do this all the time, but it, it was just amazing to be out there alone. But every lap I saw Jason, who is my partner, my coach, he knows me so well and he knows exactly what to say to me. And it, it just felt like we were this team and just the two of us. And it was, but it was different, you know, of course it's a different than adventure racing, but I, I wasn't fully alone out there. Um, I felt really supported and I really liked that aspect of it, of being able to be alone on the path, but also knowing that someone was there with me who cared deeply about me and supported me. And something about that just felt like such a gift. Um,
1: how, long did each, how long did each lap roughly take you?
0: Roughly took me, the first three laps took me just under an hour. And then, um, and that was like, Jason told me to, he told me um, when this, at the start, he was like, okay, for the first three laps, pretend like you have to get home for, for Revel, um, who's my youngest and, um, like time's up, you got to get there. And so he was like, go at your threshold. So the first three laps I did under an hour and then, um, and then I came in and then he was like, okay, now you're chilling out, like take these next three laps, a little, a slower pace. And then it was like one Oh five was my average after that. And then I think my lowest lap was one 20 or even maybe one thirty, And that was like my dark, dark lap where I was like, yeah, that, oh my that's, God.
1: that's, that's 18 hours in probably 16 hours in. And <laughs> yeah. this and this was a, this was a 24 hour mountain bike race. So, yeah. so, and so 24 hour mountain bike racing used to be pretty popular on the East coast, but it still is, but it was really popular like 15 years ago. Huh. And there was definitely this appeal of going somewhere like on a Friday, sending yeah. a, a camp up for yourself. Yeah. The gun goes off usually like at eight o'clock on or 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. And then for 24 hours, the course would be open, right? And so, mm-hmm. 10 mile loops, 12 mile loops, you were roughly seeing Jason every hour. Yeah. And so, to your point, you were you were, you were in community, right, mm-hmm. with, with your coach and your husband and your partner, mm-hmm. and yeah. he would pep talk you and he would hand you a fresh water bottle and you yeah. know massage your feet if time would allow, and yeah. then you'd go right back out there. Yeah. And you would know that no matter what would happen, all mm-hmm. you had to do was follow this course, and yeah. you'd be right back where you started. Yeah and so it's yeah, different good
0: oh th- yeah there's just something very meditative and therapeutic about it
1: yeah as opposed to adventure racing where you're you're given a map mm-hmm. the map offers you a general understanding of the direction you're going and it's your job to figure it out inside the experience where in reality it's not a, it's not unlike running a, a 5k or a marathon the course is laid out for you and there's a certain yeah. freedom in that and mm-hmm. I always like to joke that adventure racing has ruined me for races in which they tell me where to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause once you know where you're going, what's the fun of doing it, but yeah. you've kind of put that on its head a little bit mm-hmm. and that there's this meditative quality of just going out there and just spending your time 55 minutes to an hour 20 in these, on these laps. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I understand correctly Oof. by doing this, you, you are a national champion, which you didn't expect to have happen.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I went into it. I always get nervous before every race. And I think I take always take that as a good sign. And so the level of nervousness makes me think like, you know, Oh, how well I'm going to do. And I was for some reason really nervous about this race. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to be alone and all this stuff, but I was nervous. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm going to be doing real. I'm going to be doing good then because I just felt so much like energy at the start line of like, it was nervousness. It was excitement. It was, a t- I just needed to get out a lot of energy I felt. And so I was like taking that as a good sign. Like, oh, I've got a lot to put down out here. I've got a lot of things to like figure out and do. And so that made me think I was going to do quite well. Um, I didn't know I was going to win, at, hold the new record, and become the national champion. But apparently I had a lot of like <laughs> stuff to get out that day.
1: You, you come to the race. It sounds like you came in relatively late because the FKT was shelved and now you're racing. How well do you know the other racers inside that racing community? Or did you show up and they were like, like, did you introduce yourself to the fellow racers then go and eventually win the race? Or did they know you were coming in and were you a favorite going into it?
0: Oh, no, I was I'm very I'm not known in that world at all. Like I the race director knows me because I've been doing his races for years off and on. And um, this was kind of my first race back to one of his races post my kids. So he kind of like wrote me off like, oh, she's a mom now, uh, you know, Um, but he he kind of knew I was in still in adventure racing. But his world, the race director's world is in. putting on huge mountain bike races and he's, but he's very personable. So he remembered me. He was happy to have me back, but there was this, the favorite there was the woman who had won it twice before who's and, and hold it and held the the record. And so she was the obvious favorite going in. And then there was like two other high profile women there that um had done very well. So you know, I was kind of like checking them out and seeing that. And, but I, I didn't know how well they did or versus me. I was just like, well, this is my race. And in the back of my head, why I love doing it too, is because in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I'm an adventure racer. That's like my, that's my thing. And so this, I love this, but I don't, I didn't have, at least on this start line, world championships might be different. Who knows? I can't, I can't speak for that. But like on this starting line, I didn't have much attachment to myself as a mountain bike racer, you know, like I didn't put that pressure on myself of like, oh, I need to do this. Well, I've had a feeling I would do well. Cause I'm an endurance racer. And, but I, I don't know. I didn't have that label on me or that pressure on me, which felt, freeing. And I would like to start carrying that over to adventure racing, even, you know,
1: well, clearly in one sense, you had nothing to lose in the race. Yeah. And having nothing to lose probably acted as a positive motivator for you because there was the weight of expectations did not exist upon you. And there was no place to go, but up because you went through this race with the idea of saying, well, I'll just sort of see what happens. Yeah. And having that pressure off of you, because if someone had said to you going into the race, Chelsea, I bet that you're you're the odds-on favorite to win this race. Mm-hmm. You might have had a different race experience because people yeah. are expecting performance from you.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm like toying with how to keep that part of that perspective going because, of course, this year or next year when I race it, if I if I get to, we'll see how adventure racing um, my my schedule play, plays out. But you know, if I do this exact race again, I'm going to be, you know. I'm going to have that, that target on my back. Well, how do I they don't
1: know, know who you are? Right. Exactly. Your second national championship will be a far different experience to you than your first national championship. Exactly. Yeah. Is. Um,
0: yeah. But I hope to carry on that curiosity of, okay, well, how I've done everything I can, how, how, what can I do on this race course? Like, how can I be the best person that I can be how can I be the best athlete what can I take out of this um emotionally mentally like to help me in other things um you know like okay I've done I'm here I've done everything I can let's let's see what we can do so I'd like to carry that into every one of my races and that's something I learned from this race because it was really like an amazing race the whole all the way around it just Everything, everything clicked
1: request. Clicked. the weather was good you were in good form you had a good coach yeah. nutrition
0: yeah. yeah I mean the weather was it was hot it was really hot but I like extremes <laughs> um I like you know we always say as a team especially where we the, the harder the weather the more extreme it is the better we thrive and we, it's we a, get it gets, off it gets off. the
1: juices going a little bit right yeah, yeah when it's this yeah. is when it's really really hard super yeah. cold super hot super steep super wet, yeah. whatever it is, you've, you, you kind of thrive in that setting.
0: Yeah. And so the race director of this race, um, went up to Jason, my husband during the race and was like, I don't know, it's getting, you know, or it was getting, that's what it was. It was getting dark out. Like it was becoming the, you know, the midnight hours. And he was like, how is she doing? On, how does she do in the midnight hours? I don't know. A lot of people start to slow down and go to sleep and, you know, and, and Jason's like, I don't think, you know, my wife,
1: <laughs> that's also, That's for your adventure racing background, right? Because yeah, if you do totally. enough races, you realize yeah. between two o'clock and five o'clock between late night and the morning, you, you, we, we've kind of developed that, that muscle where we just have to hang in there until the sunrise comes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting though, for this, like I loved the night because you were in your own little bubble and the The trail changed, but it was like the wee morning hours that were hard for me, which is like every adventure race I do, as soon as morning hits, I'm good. I'm like, I'm like, you were saying, let's just like, just make it to the morning. But it was interesting that the night was my favorite part. And then the sunrise was, I don't know. It was hard for me.
1: I always think about it. I've always got the advice, like when you're in a race and if it's a multi-day race or it's 48 hours, don't make any major racing decisions about continuing in a TA or at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Like yeah. those are those are not the two times or places to make decisions about continuing on. Yeah. No, no. What is a general broad picture, big strokes? What is a general, what is your training like for your, your bigger event? You know you have a big race coming up, say in six weeks, right? You have a lot of base. I do you have a
0: big day. race coming oh, up.
1: In- Holy <laughs> cow. So so rip from the headlines, what are you doing right now to get ready for that race? What is that going to look like for you?
0: Okay. Well, honestly, I wake up in the morning and I roll over and I ask my husband, Jason, what
1: my training is. (laughs)
0: But but no, in all seriousness, that is like what I do, honestly. But um, we just finished our four-week block. So after Spain, we took off all of November to just kind of like do what we wanted to do. Mountain bike. It was great mountain bike weather. Um, but focus on recovery mostly, and hang out with our kids and do active recovery, hike and go camping stuff like that. Then December first hit, and we are just finishing up our base block. So that's kind of ramping up our um, our FTP. In our biking and getting that, you know, keep inking that higher so that our endurance is just slowly getting better and better. But they're not big workouts. So a lot of people think that we work out, you know, five hours a day every day, except, you know, or six hours or six days a week for five hours a day. But as parents, we can't do that. And so it was cool. Once we had kids, we had to really dial back our training. In the sense that, not so much just, but, um, what's the word?
1: Sounds, sounds like you traded on volume for intensity.
0: Yeah, we well we like it wasn't focused. We we were just kind of doing whatever we wanted to do, and we're like, well, as, as long as we're outside doing big missions or long bike rides, then that translates perfectly well, right? but it didn't really, um, we were still, you know, always doing well in races, but we weren't at the level that we wanted to be. And then, so, you know, again, when we had kids, we had to really focus that our time. And so now we only work out maybe one to two hours a day. Um, and for six days a week, and then we take a full rest day. And a lot of that time is, focused training in our shared garage that we have with Dan. He has a a rental house and his friend rents the house, we rent the garage with all of our equipment in it. And we um we just got done with our base our base block and that was, you know, a lot of on the treadmill time with packs um just doing the um, hiking up mountains in, in the Swiss Alps. We have one of those iFit fit trainers and then on our trainers watching movies um, and uh, then on the, on the erg on the paddle machine and with weights, just functional body weight and slam balls and working on our getting our power back up. So kind of just like priming the muscles. Um, and, but we do have two hard workouts a week in that base we have three base workouts and then two intervals where like we're working on threshold power tempo. Um, and now we're about to start on the new year, um, working on longer base. So we'll be in, you know, we'll do, be doing maybe two to three hours on the bikes and, um, mixing it up maybe a little bit with the treadmill and the and the ERG, but kind of like building on our base and going for longer. So then this is going to be kind of like our endurance block where we're working a lot on that and then dabbling in just a little bit of power explosive training. Um, and that's going to be, you know, three days a week of longer training rides and runs. And then two days a week of that shorter explosive um, high output intervals. Um, and so each pow- each block has a, a focus um hmm. if, if that makes
1: sense and it, so, and it yeah. makes a ton of sense and also it, i like talking about that because you just talked about winning a national championship as a mountain bike racer mm-hmm. clearly it's not as if you were gifted with the ability to do so while you have natural gifts you've yeah. you've earned that podium and you've earned it through these types of, of discipline structured workouts
0: oh yeah i'll be the first to say i'm not I was <laughs> like, not a naturally gifted athlete. I definitely, you know, have to work for it, but that is what I love to do is I love to train and I love to work for things. Like I love the, I love the actual journey of going through that. Like I love having a schedule. Um, it just keeps me sane. Um, and I, like, that's my lifeline kind of as like, I, I don't, Aim, I don't like to aimlessly work out for the sake of looking good or even feeling good yes it makes me feel good but I like working towards something and as a coach that's what Jason and I love to coach is we will not take on the client if they don't have a goal they don't have a goal of like even if it's a something that we don't do like um, like we don't run marathons but if someone wants to run a marathon we know how to train them for that um so yeah uh the other thing Thing we use is, is um we switch or jason switch to this for uh, our our team because he trains our whole team um is heart rate so he does all of our training off of heart rate metrics so we all have really nice heart rate monitors um and we're he's very strict with us on um checking our readiness every day um so if we've had a stressful couple days emotionally physically mentally and on the tr- on the schedule is a hard workout but our our body or our metrics are saying rest day, then he's like, you have to rest. So that's what a lot of, um, I feel, um, everyday amateur athletes don't listen to that. They, they train in their, um, zone three, which is the worst heart rate zone to train in. And they, so they don't vary their heart rates at all. And they don't listen to recovery. Um, and that is like, it's coming out more and more these days of how important recovery is, but it's so important. Like you have to, you have to let your body heal.
1: It's the old <laughs> adage, right? The easy days aren't easy enough and the hard days aren't hard enough. And you kind of live yeah. in that weird middle ground where you go there. And I also appreciate you're talking about the idea of having a goal to shoot for. And it's, it's one thing to be, there's a certain level of um, ease, brain ease in, in being aimless. You have a certain level of fitness and you're able to get away with disjointed training here and there. But if you really have a, if you have a goal in mind and you have a big thing you want to do, you have to have a plan and you have to have a structure and you have to have a coach and you have to, I would argue that most likely people can get themselves pretty far along being their own coach. It's a caveat, right? There's working out base does a lot, but eventually if you want to cross the threshold and whatever, whatever the sport is, marathoning, mountain bike racing, adventure racing, You really want to tip that domino and really go strong at it. You're going to need someone outside your body monitoring Mm -hmm. you, giving you advice and guidance and walking you through that. Cause other than that, you're just, you're just wandering in the wilderness.
0: Yeah. 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 You need to have somebody looking at your metrics, asking you questions and then putting down a schedule for you.
1: So appreciate the, the focus to on recovery, especially with the, with the, the, the tone and tenor of the world today is this, I think people are, far more fatigued than they're realizing because we're all kind of living in this this time together and it's a very challenging mm-hmm. time and watch five seconds of the news and your heart rate goes up and the cortisol is pumping and you find yourself fatigued, you're not sleeping as well. You know, yep. you had referenced earlier in the podcast that you sometimes you wake up thinking about the state of the world. And yeah. so so credit to Jason for recognizing the connection between your your fitness to train as mm-hmm. compared to like just going out there and just killing it just to kill it. And you you yeah. work yourself right into the ground.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we do have those days set aside for us, Mm -hmm. like he has in our schedule, a mental health base day where all we have to do is we can go outside and we can go outside for as long as we want. We can we can plan a big mission, but our heart rate has to be under a certain like in zone two for that day. Um, And so we can treat that as what you're saying is like that go out and get after it, but in a way that's like not in zone three or above it's like us we have parameters of like how to do that um which feels very um it's nice as an athlete to have that that guideline or that that lifeline of like okay somebody's watching out for me um i'm not just guessing here because that yeah stepping on a starting line for that like it's not I don't know. It doesn't make me feel really comfortable. Um, but starting on the stepping on the start line to this 24-hour race with Jason having been fully behind me for two months training me, I was like, I think that was a big piece of it. Of like, hey, I've done everything I can do. I've like, and my coach is here. Let's do this. Um, and so that's what I'm excited to do for Panama.
1: Talk a little bit about your, your nutrition. What do you what do you what do you give yourself to fuel yourself?
0: Um, I honestly, right now it's very free because <laughs> um, the holidays and stuff, but I'm mindful of, um, not eating past a certain time. So not eating past 8 PM and, um, in the morning, making sure to drink a full glass of water before coffee. Cause I do like my coffee. Um, and every time I go to the bathroom, I, I have a big water glass in the bathroom and I drink a full glass. And so that's just kind of an easy way for me to keep hydrated because I get so busy during the day and I forget to drink water. And so that's one of my things is like, as long as I'm drinking water, I'm feeling really good. Um, The other thing about nutrition is we try to eat mostly um, plant-based, but we aren't super strict with it because we believe in moderation and... When we're training or when we're racing, we want to be able to, you know, run and in, go into a village and they hand us this awesome ham and cheese sandwich that they just, you know, sliced. Like in Spain, they literally, I watched them slice it off of this hanging pig, this like awesome prosciutto mm-hmm. and cheese that was in their cellar. And like, I don't want to say no to that. And I want to be able to have my body process it. So I don't want to become, I've heard of people, you know, cutting out gluten fully because they think it's bad, but they weren't ever allergic to it. I'm fully on board with people being allergic to it. I understand that, but like, um, I don't believe in just cutting it out because someone says it's, it's bad for them. So for me, I can, I really like being able to process everything and not being allergic to things. So I try to keep a little bit of everything in my diet. Um, but I don't. Go overboard with it. So, you know, I don't eat a lot of dairy, I don't eat a lot of meat. Um, but if I'm at a dinner party, and there's like this awesome enchil- chicken enchiladas, I, I'm gonna say yes to it. Um, I like sweets, but I try to eat them mindfully. And, um, we have like, we brought all of our Halloween candy over to the garage gym because like I can have, I feel better about having a treat that fuels me. And that's what I teach my kids too. Like if my kids want a treat, I'm like, okay, let's go run laps around the block a little bit. Let's see what this treat is like. How does it fuel us? So I like to treat food as fuel um and to not be super strict with it but i do go through periods throughout the year of cutting things out so like before a big race for example i'll cut back the caffeine um so but only because so the caffeine will affect me more when i'm racing um and after a race i really try to be very clean eating because i've eaten like crap i mean not complete crap, but, you know, like very simple sugar foods for, I don't know, five to seven days. And so it feels good to like get back to lots of veggies and raw whole foods. Um, so, yeah, um, and during training, um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but Jason and Dan created a four hour fuel. It's amazing. So that's all I want to eat honestly if anything is past that three hour mark um if it's two hours i usually don't i bring like a spring uh spring energy that's my f- Great new stuff. favorite for yeah for those like shorter efforts but if it's anything big like i bring out my special dan and jason four-hour fuel and yeah, i've um, heard
1: some folks are trying that around these parts and they're really speaking highly of it that's good it's well, amazing. Well, good on them good on it's,
0: them yeah it's go juice and they've been at it for many years, uh, perfecting it. And Dan, you know, he's had lots of issues with his nutrition and hydration. And he's been like, you know, grappling with that and trying to figure it out. And he he's the one that started this in his garage. And um, he would like give us sips of it on our long bike rides. And we're like, instantly you drink it and you feel good. You're like, well, it's like moving you forward and there's nothing wrong with your mouth afterwards or with your tummy afterwards. Um, It's really nice on the whole system, I feel. It's very clean. And so that's mostly... Like in Canada, that's all Jason had. He had ninety percent of it um food, and then he and then he had more f- what we call fun food. so like or emotional food, like yep. you know, whatever for him, it's Oreos. Um, and for me, it's licorice. And so we bring our fun food along with it, but we mostly have most of our calories from the four hour fuel. And Lars fell in love with it in Spain. um, and so did Darren. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's good stuff. So that's like nutrition in a nutshell. Um, and then we also focus on afterwards, the, every workout I do, I'm pretty obsessed with my smoothies, my recovery smoothies. Um, so I put like, you know, um, layered superfood is our favorite right now. They make this really good plant-based protein and mushroom powder. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: It sounds like it sounds like you bring a, a, a very common sense approach to nutrition, realizing that nothing is truly off the table for you because you want to be able to sample whatever's put in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend of mine who's primarily plant-based, except when it comes to gas station empanadas at three o'clock in the morning. Like, like that's <laughs> when he decides to, and the philosophy he uses is he says that 95% of his approach is based on a certain philosophy. The 5% is the wiggle room. That if mm-hmm. need be, he's, he's able to have the prosciutto in Spain and things like that. And I think yeah. that's the, the way to approach it. And I, I also subscribe to the theory that th- there is no super food. There is no super hack. There is merely a common sense approach, finding what works for you. Friends yeah. of mine who aren't adventure racers who listen to the podcast, they laugh when we get the idea of nutrition because it's all about Oreos and licorice and Snickers and the magical food mm-hmm. at three in the morning that tastes good no matter what. Yeah. We came we came across a fresh carrot when I was in Scotland on day three, and it was like <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever because your mouth is chewed up, your mouth is destroyed after a yeah. race. Yeah um, race up. So so talk a bit about Paraguay, how excited are you for that? what's the what's the race? It's the championships like walk us through that race prep. are you guys who so who's going from the team?
0: Well, it's going to be two of us from Bend Racing. So it's either gonna be Jason and I or I mean Jason or I and dan i think that's those are the two from the bend um racing contingent and then we're actually teaming up with quest so it's going to be team bend racing quest
1: and who's going from quest
0: quest is emily and dusty
1: that okay so that's a pretty strong team heading down there and yeah. what's the, and for, for the listeners what's the race you're going to go do?
0: we're going to paraguay world championships
1: okay with that. and that is a how long is that race
0: I think it's about seven days long seven yeah. days. and there may still be a, another it's there's, there may still be bend racing Canada team. So our Canadians, um, who are racing with, and Jason and I are racing with Alex and Corinne in, um, Panama. And so Alex and Corinne might still go to Paraguay with like Lars and Jean Yves who, um, is not on the official team bend racing, but he's kind of like a, um, a uh, guest of honor, I should say, our Canadian guest, our other Canadian guest of honor. He's Alex's best friend. And they won Canada expedition race. Um, Jason, Alex, John Eves and Karen. They so were in they,
1: Canada uh, when you were in Spain.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Very nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah.
0: So they won that race, which was awesome. And they had a blast. And so if that team can go to uh, worlds, then we'll send them to worlds too. And then, but the U S team, because, you know, you have to have our hard thing always is, um, finding, I mean, not always, but you know, like the four American thing or the three American one, one Lars or one Canadian, um, thing. And then the other thing is with us with team bend racing, we honestly don't, I mean, it's fun to get points, but that's not our main focus when we enter the world championship races race series we do it more for wanting to do the best we can with the team that we're we're bringing we don't really have to always have like team bend racing we like to have team bend racing in the name but it doesn't have to be you know team bend racing so if you look at the rankings right now we have like a couple different Bend racing teams (laughs) on that. That's
1: part of the that's the adventure racing culture that people who don't do they're kind of puzzled by that because you go to a a race and it's like, well, who because the the team memberships aren't static across the board because they vary. Someone gets sick last minute and Darren Steinbach drops in, and all of a sudden he's going off the worlds, and someone else doesn't test a COVID test, so he's out and does all of that. I've done races where I've walked up to the at getting maps. I'm like, I'm racing with someone and I don't know who yet, but like I'll tell you when I figure it out because who gets sick the night before, who gets stuck at work and things like that.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, like Team Vita Raid um, and like Nothra and stuff like they, I think they really like to focus on the ranking and it works for them and their team that they all can always go to those races. But I don't know. For us, we can't, it's, it's not a huge priority to have that seven squad represent on the, the rankings all the time. It's more it like a
1: price. You, yeah, you would, you would lose that. It would come at a price because most likely logistically, not everybody would be free for all those races. And so yeah. whether or not you like it, you're going to be all over the standings because yeah. I mean Yeah. You so we like, have like yeah.
0: Bend okay. Racing Journey, Bend Racing Canada on there, and then Ben Team Bend Racing all on the team.
1: <laughs> so 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 Chelsea, you've been you've been very outward in, in your conversation and your writing about your your journey as a mother. And your sons and your experience there, can you talk to us a bit about that?
0: Yeah, I I'm definitely very open about um, my journey as becoming a mother. Um, going into it, it was you know it was kind of fairy tale. Um, I had always hoped for. Um, I was not honestly too excited about the pregnancy part. As an athlete, you know, giving up nine months of that. <laughs> of my body and, you know, making humans was kind of a big ask for me. But, um, when I found out I had twins, you know, I, I, we wanted two, two kids and I was like, well, sweet two kids, one pregnancy. This is like a dream come true. And, um, Jason is a identical twin himself. And I love his relationship with his brother. Um, it's, uh, such a beautiful relationship to be around. Um, and so we were both like over the moon about having twins. Um, and then um, as many people who are listening and as you probably know, um, having children is not the fairy tale that you always, like you see in the movies or you always hear about. Um, a big part of it is miscarriage, which I've had. And um, that's a whole nother story. Um, and um and loss and challenge. And so going into the um, hospital at 39 weeks, um, we've 39 weeks and five days, we found out that um, one of our sons B, cause they were A and B, how they were in my belly, um, didn't have a heartbeat. And I freaked out. Um, I kind of blacked out cause I don't fully remember. I just remember screaming And, um, uh, the doctor saying that they couldn't no longer find spirit B's heartbeat. Um, and, but I still decided to try to have them naturally to not have a C-section because, um, I didn't want to have a surgery and I was pretty adamant about trying to have them naturally. And, um, but that didn't happen after 70 hours of labor. I, it just wasn't happening. And Max is, heartbeat started to go. And so we were like, okay, let's get them out. Let's have the C-section. And so I had the C-section and, um, I held, I got to hold both my boys for 24 hours together. Um, spirit was beautiful, purple, um, and just so such a beautiful soul. Um, and I, um, grappled with deep, deep depression for a long time after that. And my light was Jason and Max, um, Jason, um, named spirit, spirit B. Um, cause I couldn't, I couldn't name him. I didn't know. I was kind of in this like state of shock still. And, but his name is beautiful. I love it. And, um, I see him now, like, you know, in within my deep depression, I held Max close to me all the time. For the first three months, Max was glued to me. And he was such as beautiful baby, perfect baby. And, um, Jason helped me with therapy and meditation. Like I went to a ton of therapy. I just said yes to any, anyone who wanted to help me. I was into it. I did EMDR therapy. Um, I did exposure therapy. I did a lot of things. Um, and I looked, but in the end, all those things helped, but t- what really helped me was, um, creating my own story around it with Jason's help of course um we were were a team in so many things and he was just a huge lifeline support for me and you know we had a lot of trauma of how spirit left us um and there was a lot of guilt around that of around some of the decisions that were that were made but um so we could have gone down the path of blaming ourselves forever about how spirit left us or we could choose the path of you know telling uh, ourselves that spirit chose to leave us and because he became our our spirit he wanted to be our spirit boy rather than our physical boy and he wanted to protect us and be with us and talk to us in other ways and so once i started to hold on to that story rather than blaming myself for um his death because that was also a very real path that i could have gone down i chose the story of um of of making spirit, this beautiful spirit boy and talking to him in the hawks, um, in the rainbows, in the wind and making my time out when I'm out adventure racing or out doing these big missions. Like I talk to him all the time. Um, he actually in this movie with spirit, if you wanted to watch it, it's a documentary about this, um, where I'm very open about it too and you can see the first seven minutes are quite intense i will say that but it's a like he came to me in this rainbow as we were walking across um the peat bug which we call the ball in patagonia and this rainbow was so bright so big and it followed us for hours on this track and um he kept on saying to me mama i'm here mama i'm here and mama you have a little boy in your belly and revel in him. He is a wild one. So that is how revel Wilder got his name. And I was like 10 days pregnant with revel in the middle of Patagonia expedition race. So I crossed the finish line one, which was awesome too. Um, with, with revel in my belly and, um, Lars also has a deep connection, like with his dad who passed. And so we talk about that stuff, like seeing he sees his dad in the birds. And so we saw his dad out there in the birds. And it's just like this beautiful gift that, you know, I never thought I would be saying this now, but every year that passes, um, I feel more and more at peace with spirits passing and, um, like that he did choose, choose to be with us in this, in another realm. And, um, he talks to me every day and, um, um, it's just a be he's a beautiful gift now of like seeing this other side of life that I don't think I would have seen if he was here. Um, and, Just like being grateful for the time that we do have physically and for my physical boys, but also having the space and the time like and Jason and I are very like open and free with that of like hey I need some time with spirit today. Um, and he'll let me go out for hours on a mission, you know, and he'll say that to me too. It's like, Hey, I need some spirit time. And that's like time for us to be outside alone, talking to spirit, but also, you know, in that wilderness. And, um, I don't know, it's just made our whole family. It changed our, um, our priorities and, um, how we parent, how we live in this way that I don't think we would have done if he was a physical boy um you know i still get sad when i see twins honestly but um more and more i i feel like this was um meant to be and i'm okay with this path and i i really i really enjoy it
1: So we found um your, your, your openness and your honesty about, about spirit and his loss and the fact that he's with you and the manner in which he is with you. Mm-hmm. Have you found, have you heard feedback from other people who have gone through similar things? Has it, proven, has it been a comfort to other families?
0: Oh yes. Yeah. I have um, many women reach out to me. And at first I couldn't, I couldn't be there for them, but in these last two years, cause it's, we're coming up on spirits, five-year, Uh, my son max is about to turn five in two weeks so this time is always very um reflective and a bit challenging but also beautiful and but so anyways yeah i like just in these last two years i've been able to be a, a bit of a mentor for mothers before i would just um send them to my blog endurance mama um that's where i started that blog when i first found out i was pregnant with the twins um when Jason had his first hip surgery in India, that's when I found out I was pregnant with them and I wanted to create a blog of, cause I'd never found any writing out there of like being an extreme athlete like myself and being pregnant and being a mother. And so I was like, well, I'll just start. <laughs> so that's how that started. And then it turned into a healing, very, very healing and cathartic um, process where I would write, um, exactly what I was feeling. And then I would reread it and reread it and then I would share it and then I would reread it. And then that process of like writing and rereading it and then process of sharing it with and knowing that it was out there was also very therapeutic and healing in a way that journaling felt very still alone and insular to me. Um, And I wasn't getting much out of that. But then as soon as I started sharing my words and seeing how they were being received and seeing how they would heal other people then that made me feel better and heal myself if that i know it's i don't know doesn't make the most sense but it makes but it but it worked for me and um and i i have lots of women and men too actually um coming to me and thanking me for being so open um about this uh because it's it's a nor it's more normal than people think. There's lots of loss out there and um with everything, you know. Um especially right now and it's it's not just healing to people who have lost babies. Um it's healing to people who've lost um you know, their spouses, their older children, um their mothers, their fathers. It's just a different way to deal with death of turning it into um turning it into a different story for yourself where you can connect with it in a different way um, is.
1: Yeah. That's I, I think, of... I think what you do here is in, in a desire to, to, to process your own emotion and take care of yourself. You've had mm-hmm. the incredibly wonderful bounce back effect of taking care of other people. Yeah. Right. And we talk very often about adventure racing is community and life is community. And, mm-hmm. and what you've done is, is, is through, through, through spirits experience with you and, and where he is in your life right now, you've mm-hmm. created an unintentional tribe. Mm-hmm. That you didn't. You necessarily didn't think you were going to be here, right? You didn't yeah. think this was going to go this way. No, the I was fact very that,
0: angry about right. being in this tribe. I was yeah. like, I don't want to hear. Like, I did not join groups, grief groups at all because I was so angry right. that that was my path all of a sudden. I was like, I don't want to be here. So yeah, but now I'm like, okay, I can, I can be here.
1: What I've, what I found is that it's almost the, it's, it's the unspoken loss mm-hmm. that the world is kind of. It is, it is so breathtaking in its enormity that the world just wants to move on mm-hmm. and we don't and let's just all agree never to talk about this and if we agree that yeah. n- it never happened and what's just ne- on to the next thing right and yeah. so i definitely feel that your your bravery and your compassion your self-care which which is was how it started has turned into care for others and i mm-hmm. and i can think of no finer way in which for you need to to honor spirit and to honor yourself by, by taking care of other people because that's what that's what our kids want for us right our kids want us to be healthy and to be okay and to when possible care for them and care for other people so you should be complimented for that and i know you're not, you're not you're not in the in the compliment me business but it should be said out loud it's, a, it's a, it should be a point of pride for you yeah, how will you yeah, respond to all of that
0: yeah thank you yeah it is i feel i feel great pride and ease and comfort um with with that um yeah so yeah i'm i've i feel like i've i'm you know, I, I processed it well and I still am processing it um and I'm now able to be here for Jason as he's processing it because he was my rock during that that time and now he is um now that I'm like fully you know I mean we're not never fully okay but like I'm very much okay with it and like at peace now he's finding it very difficult because he's finding that he hasn't been able to process that, that blame and that guilt, um, that was so heavy on us. Um, so now I'm able to give him space to, to do that, which I feel it's hard, um, in a different way, but I feel very good about being there for him now
1: closing note as we sort of transition from that important topic that you were so honest and thank you I guarantee you Chelsea that there are listeners that are sitting at home that you've kind of cracked open a door inside their life experience that needed to be cracked Mm -hmm. open so so thank you for doing that
0: yeah you're
1: welcome and going forward what do you want adventure racing to continue to bring to you what are your must-haves out of the sport as you continue to roll forward as an adventure racer
0: I feel like we're on this awesome train right now with adventure racing we're picking up momentum you know after eco challenge and after bend Ra- team bend racing um got a lot of airtime <laughs> and it had a beautiful story uh you know there was there was spirit in there and there's dan going through the trenches and there was jason getting them you know being an awesome team navigator and captain so that story is still like, I think shows our team very well. And we're still on that path and we're putting on more and more amazing races. We've got an amazing expedition racing coming up in 2022. Um, We've got some exciting things that I can't yet say coming up in the next couple of years with adventure racing. Um, And we're, our team has got an awesome schedule. We've got a big, robust team that, every single person on the team right now is excited to race and also excited to support one another. So, you know, Lars is can't do Panama because he wants to ski and ice climb right now and guide, but he's like fully going to support us going to Panama. Um, So this year, 2022 is looking really good for our team and for the races that we're putting on. And I think we're still gleaning as personally myself. I'm still gleaning a lot of personal life lessons from adventure racing relationships, um, communication skills that it brings up. And, um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm eager to keep learning every lesson that, that I'm learning from adventure racing. Um, so yeah, long answer, but
1: yeah. thank you chelsea as promised chelsea brought all of herself to the dark zone today and i'm grateful for her time and openness i hope that the breadth of her challenges and victories resonated with our listeners i'm grateful for her time and hope that you enjoyed listening as much as i enjoyed speaking with her you can learn more about chelsea and her journey at www.endurancemama.com If you've enjoyed this episode, please pay a visit to your podcast streaming platform of choice and leave us a review. That is the best way to spread the word. Also, always feel free to reach out to me, Brian, at ARDarkZone.com. Your feedback and guest suggestions are always welcome. Thank you to our sponsors for their support, and thank you listeners for joining us at The Dark Zone. Have fun out there.